Spirit. Amen. We have this awesome story. Um, it ends Matthew chapter 7. And if you know the Bible, I hope you do. Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 is the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus goes up a mountain and everyone's listening to the new covenant, the new law. And Jesus starts with the Beatitudes, the blessedness that Christ offers if we live this Christian life. But it ends, this gospel ends with Jesus astonishing the people. They're like, wow, he has authority. He comes down the mountain and he, he proves his authority through signs and wonders, through miracles. Jesus proves who he is through the miracles that he presents. And so two miracles happen. He heals a leper and he heals a centurion. He heals a centurion's servant. Two people that the world would say is not worthy of Jesus coming. Not worthy that Jesus would heal them. First, a leper. The leper is somebody who has to be ostracized, left out of the community. Sounds like COVID, being in quarantine. Or the leper is someone who there's no hope for them. There's no cure. And when they walk by, if they see anybody, they have to scream out, unclean, unclean. Kids, are you still with me? I need you to do me a favor. Scream out right now. Unclean, unclean. (laughs) Ready? Come on, kids. Unclean, unclean. How embarrassing, right? It sounds like you're so embarrassed that you don't even want to say it. Like, Father, I'm clean because Jesus made me clean. I'm not unclean. And yet the lepers, if they saw anybody, would have to scream out, unclean, unclean, get away from me because I'm a leper. And this leper has such faith, which faith is, it opens the door to healing. He has such faith that Jesus heals him. He says, Jesus, I know you can do this. And I'm not going to say unclean. I'm going to say, Lord, if you want to heal me, you can do it. Jesus stretches out his hand. When you touch a leper, it's very contagious. But Jesus is more contagious. Jesus is more contagious than any disease, any sin. And Jesus heals him. Everyone's astonished because they're following him. He just... He just gave them the words of eternal life in the Sermon on the Mount. And they're following him. And then they see this leper. They're all scared. And the leper comes. And Jesus heals him. Then he enters this city of Capernaum. And he sees a centurion. A centurion is like, this guy's, this guy's the man. A centurion is a Roman soldier with about a hundred soldiers under him. That means he's, a, he's like probably like the mayor of the city. And He's the most powerful man. He's probably had people come to his house that like, like no Jew would ever come because Jews are nothing. And the thing about a centurion is the Jews hated the Romans. They wanted the Romans to be out. They wanted Jesus, who is the Messiah, to kick out the Romans so that they could have Jerusalem back. The centurion comes to Jesus and he says, you know, my, my servant's sick. Like, can you heal him? And Jesus, crazy, it's like amazing, he says, I'll come over. Jesus is not supposed to go to a centurion's house. That centurion is an enemy. And yet Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount, say this with me, love Love your, your finish it with me. Amen. You know your Bible, huh? Probably can't say the verse, but we'll get there. Just messing with you. All right, so... 
Jesus loves his enemy. And so Jesus says, I'll come over. I'm going to come over and I'm going to dine with you. And yet the centurion's faith, Lord, I am not worthy that you enter my roof. The centurion who has had the greatest guests probably in his house. He's probably had the biggest parties in all of Capernaum. And yet this lowly Jew that, that the centurion, he just sees something in Jesus. He's like, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. And I've never, I got chills when I first read it because I was like, Jesus, it says in the gospel, Jesus was amazed. Imagine God being amazed. Like he knows everything. And yet he's amazed. When you have faith that that can move mountains, God is amazed. He's not surprised. I think he's just like, wow, this is so good. And then Jesus reveals the real mission of why he came. Again, remember, the centurion is an enemy. They're thinking, all the Jews are thinking, Jesus is going to get rid of the Romans and we're going to have Jerusalem back. And Jesus says this, and he literally like rocks them. He says, Many will come from the east and west and will recline with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the banquet of the kingdom of heaven. Basically, Jesus is talking about heaven. But again, the Jews think about an earthly kingdom, the earthly kingdom of Jerusalem. I have a question. How many tribes are there for the Jews? Twelve tribes. And during the, uh, during like, captivity and persecution the 12 tribes were scattered and so when jesus is referencing the east and west they're thinking in themselves when he's saying this they're thinking isaiah 43 they're thinking baruch chapter 2 they're thinking oh he's gonna bring the 12 tribes of israel and we're all gonna come together and there's gonna be unity and we're gonna take back the kingdom because jesus is the messiah and yet this is what he says he says But the children of the kingdom, who are that? Who's that? The children of the kingdom, the Jews, will be driven out into the outer darkness where there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. He's saying, no, no, don't misunderstand me. If you don't accept my gospel, you're in danger of going to hell. That's the reality. I did not come to bring back the 12 tribes of Israel, which I did. But I came for Jews and Gentiles. I came for this leper who you don't feel is worthy. And I came for this centurion and his servant who you don't feel is worthy. Jesus came for all people. Everyone is called by Jesus. Amen? When Jesus sees a person, he doesn't see their bank account or their you know, their materials or even their gifts. He sees the heart of the person and he loves that heart. And so my question is, do you love people with the heart of Jesus? We're going to do a little activation. I'm going to ask you, we're going to take 20 seconds of silence and I'm going to ask everyone in the church right now, think of the person that you really don't like, that you struggle with a lot, that you might even want to fight or you want to talk about or gossip about, we're going to take 20 seconds. Think of that person.
that, that person maybe has done something really wrong and you feel like they're not worthy of that love and that like they're not worthy of Jesus. But that's not your decision. God already chose to love them by dying for them on the cross. When we try to love with our heart, we fail. And that's why Jesus said, I come to give you my spirit to transform your heart from a heart of stone into a heart of flesh, a heart that can love. And so that person that you thought of that or maybe people that you struggle to love. Say, Lord, give me your heart for them because I know you love them. Jesus loves them so much. So, Lord, give me your heart for them so that I can love them as you call me to love. The centurion says, Lord, I'm not worthy that you come under my roof. And I feel as if Jesus said, like, I'm so proud of you that you recognize that, that you're not worthy. We say it in the Mass. Truly, we are unworthy. Jesus came not because you're worthy, but because you're loved. And you're loved not based on your goodness, but based on the Father's goodness. God is good. You don't have to earn that. You just got to receive it. Our receptivity to God's love is dependent on faith and believing in the goodness of God. We talked about last week the two standards, the standard of the devil and the standard of Christ. The standard of the devil, it starts with, say this with me, riches, riches. empty, honors, empty honors, and eventually you fall into pride. pride. Riches, empty honors, and pride. St. Paul warns us about that today. He says, those who want to be rich, basically the lure of riches, are falling into temptation and into a trap, into many foolish and harmful desires, which plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all evils, and some people in their desire for it have strayed from the faith and have pierced themselves with many pains. It's a warning to all of us who covet riches. Money is not the root of evil. The love of money. Making money an idol worship. Then he says though, but you man of God, you woman of God, you avoid this. Avoid the lure of riches. Know yourself. Sometimes for some people to be rich is dangerous. My dad, sometimes he would say like, like we could have done this business deal. We could have done this business deal. We could have, and, and honestly, I told him, dad, if let's say we would have been rich like that, who would I be? Probably be this, I don't even know. <laughs> I'm just saying it's dangerous. You cannot let money control you. The lure of riches falls us into a trap. And so he tells the rich this. He tells them, do not be proud and not rely on so uncertain a thing as wealth, but rely on God, who richly provides us with all things for our enjoyment. You'll know this very quickly, that money will not lead to happiness. Money will not satisfy you. Once you have it, you just want more because there's always more. Tell them, tell the rich to do good, to be rich in good works, 
to be generous, ready to share, thus accumulating as a treasure a good foundation for the future, so as to win the life that is true life. Amen. So this is 1 Timothy chapter 6, if you ever want to go back to it. All right. Side note. Next week is Lent. So let's get ready, okay? I want to just offer this for us. Um, Again, continue to seek to love all, love everyone. But next week is Lent, and as we prepare ourselves for Lent, I want you to take this week and start praying about your intentions. Once you pray about it, write it down. If you don't write it down, it's not concrete. Write down what you're seeking to do. And have a conversation with Jesus and say, Lord, what are you calling me to do this Lent? Obviously, the three things, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. So let's start first with fasting. What I do every year and what I encourage you to do, give up meat. If you want dairy, it's difficult. Meat for the first, middle, and last week. Many people do it for all 50 days. Great. Give up social media. Give up streaming. Anything you watch, like binge watching. Give up uh, alcohol. If you drink here and there, whatever. Give it up. It's a great thing to give up. Give up sweets and dessert. Your, you know, your body will be very happy for that. And honestly, it takes self-control. And then sometimes give up online shopping or going to the mall or... Sorry, okay. No, I love you anyways. Oh, but I love you. Thank you so much for that. That was great. All right. Um, all right, regarding prayer, just but like pray about it. Pray about what you're called to do. Regarding prayer, I always say it, but read the Bible. And what I say in terms of how to read the Bible, start with reading three chapters a day. I know that sounds like a lot, 10 minutes. A gospel, a letter of St. Paul, or start with Acts, and a psalm. Psalms are in the Old Testament, they're prayers, and they're not that long. One chapter of the gospel, one letter of St. Paul, one psalm every single day. Start start praying your rosary. If If you're not praying your rosary as much, pray your rosary. Stop by the chapel. There are chapels all over this area. Um, In adoration, that's great, but even just stopping by, five, ten minutes, you're literally passing by, make a commitment, once, twice a week, I'm going to the chapel. And then one thing I love to do that changed my life was daily mass. And so integrate a daily mass, Monday through Friday, not Sunday, um, into your week. So there's Tuesday here, Wednesday, St. George, Thursday, Holy Martyrs, or there's morning mass every single day at every church, So integrate a daily mass into your week. And then almsgiving, set aside actual money and donate it. Just give it to God. Not necessarily the church. Give it to something that's on your heart. Like, I want to do this and do it. Let go of that that kind of attachment to money. Okay, last thing. Our faith must begin with the truth of God's love for you. Because if it's not God's love then our faith ends up going to different things. We don't fast because it's just what we do. Be careful of that. As Chaldeans, we're very cultural about our faith. But don't make it just culture. We don't fast because, oh, we do it. We fast out of a response in love. We fast because God loves us and we seek to love him. And so communicate that because it will be love that, can, that transforms the human heart.